I don't know if we get the point of worship this morning. The worship is to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. I'm telling you, He's worthy. He is. None of us would be here if it wasn't for His mercy. So please remember this week to keep VBS in your prayers, in your daily prayers. Pray for There's lots of moving parts in VBS. Please keep it in your prayers. Now, it's been... 90 plus degrees the last couple weeks, right? Pretty much thought it would be appropriate for me to preach on swimming pools this morning, right? What else is there to do when it's 90 plus degrees, right? So I was praying about a week ago, and I just felt a little nudge from the Lord telling me to go and read about the pool of Bethesda. And remember, there's a little story in the Bible. In the Jerusalem, there's a place called the Pool of Bethesda. Uh, it is found in John chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 1 through 9. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 5. We'll do as best we can to get the scriptures up on the screens. And it says this, John chapter 5. Verse 1 says, After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, and withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then, first after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lie, he knew that he had been now a long time in that case. He said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man, when the water is troubled, to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Now, that is the story of the pool of Bethesda. So the Bible's telling us that around this pool, and there's these porches, that there lays all kinds of sick folks, all kinds of disabled people. The Bible actually says they're blind, halt, and withered, laying all around this pool. Okay, they're all waiting for the stirring of the water. Now, there was some sort of phenomena that occurred. Uh, The Bible says that the Lord sent this angel down and stirred this water. So there was this strange phenomenon that occurred, and these people knew it. They saw it. It happened before. So all of these people, blind, halt, and withered, sick folks, gather around this, waiting for this phenomenon to occur. If you can imagine the scene, all of these folks just waiting around this pool, all of these sick folks waiting around for the stirring of the water. The angel would go down to the pool, and the Bible says, trouble the water. The the Lord would send this, this angel down to this pool, And the angel would trouble the water, meaning the angel would create some sort of waves. The angel would stir this water up. The angel would disrupt the calm of the pool and cause some sort of commotion in this water. 
<clears throat> now, this water was just water. There wasn't special water. wasn't magical didn't contain medicinal qualities. It was just water, just some sort of pool of water. And here's all these people gathered around waiting for the stirring of the water. But when the angel was sent by God down, and when that angel stirred the pool, then that water had some type of curative power. Then it turned from just plain water This water had the ability that whoever could jump in was made whole of whatever their disease was. Did you, if someone had leprosy, if they could get into that pool first, they were clean. They were made whole. If a person was blind and couldn't see, when the water started stirring, the angel was there causing a commotion. And that blind person could hear it. They'd been laying there for however long. If they could get into that pool, lo and behold, they, were, they, they could see. No longer blind. If, if someone was halt, the Bible says, meaning if they limped, if they had some sort of deformity, if they, their body didn't work normal, their body didn't function normal. The Bible says if they were halt, there was halt people laying there. People that limped, people that had bad legs, bad wheels. If they could just get into this pool, when the stirring occurred, when the angel was in there sloshing that water all around, and then it had curative powers. If that halt person could just crawl their way into that pool, the Bible says they were made whole of whatever disease they had. If a withered person, the Bible says there was withered people there, Someone withering up, their life draining from them, from whatever ailment or disease. If they could get into that pool, if they could be the first ones in that pool, after the stirring, they would be made whole. Imagine the the stampede that would occur when that water started being troubled by the angel. When you saw the, the, the water start to roil and to boil, imagine the people fighting to get their way into that pool to try to be the first one in that pool. Because to those folks, that's the only hope they had. Some of them have been there a long time. That's the only, they've tried all the doctors. They've tried everything. That's the only hope they have is when it starts boiling, i got to get in there. Imagine the scene when it starts to boil Jumping over each other, shoving each other out of the way, doing everything they can to try and get to their only hope that they know. That curative power that is in that water when the angel of the Lord came down and stirred it. You know, earlier this week, like I said, we all know it's been 9 million degrees out there. My wife, I think it was Monday, wanted to take the boys to the Cambridge pool. If you've ever been to the Cambridge Pool, Cambridge City Park is a very nice park. And the Cambridge Pool is a very nice swimming pool. Well, I didn't go with them, but I ended up catching up with them later in the day because it was so hot, I didn't mind jumping in. So we're here at the Cambridge Pool, and, you know, I'm thinking about this message. It's always in the back of my mind, in my heart, you know, wondering if it's the right thing. And, you know, we're swimming around. I'm wrestling around with my boys. We brought a neighbor boy with us, and we're just having a good time and being in the pool getting cooled off and, you know, throwing my boys around, splashing each other, jumping in. And 
Next thing I know, you know, my wife's yelling at me, hey, you got to get out. It's break time. So, you know, everyone, I looked, everyone else is getting out of the pool, right? So what it is is these, I'm sure you're familiar with this, but the, the lifeguards, they get a break. They get to take a break, get out of the heat for a little bit, and they, and they get to go in and swim a little bit by themselves. They don't have to watch everyone. They get to cool off a little bit. So apparently that's what it was. I haven't been to a swimming pool like that in years and years, so allow me to refresh your memory if you don't remember that. So, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about this pool of Bethesda. Here I am at the Cambridge pool. You know, it's break time. No one's in the swimming pool. All of a sudden, I hear a little, and kids start launching into this pool like you wouldn't believe. There's bodies flying everywhere of all these kids jumping off the diving board. Just They're sitting there waiting because they saw the lifeguard. They were getting back up on their chairs, and these kids are all lining up. And when the whistle went, they all went diving into the pool. And I was thinking, maybe that's similar to what the pool of Bethesda was like. When that water started stirring, bodies flying everywhere trying to get into this pool. There's their only hope. Their only hope to be cured was to get in, to be the first one in that pool. To touch those curative waters. God has a strange way of confirming messages, doesn't he? So there's all these blind, halt, and withered folks laying around this pool of Bethesda, hoping for this angel to come and stir this water. And lo and behold, Jesus comes on the scene. Leave it to the Lord Jesus to find the worst one out of the bunch. Amen? He finds the worst, the person with the worst ailments that's been there the longest. He finds the guy that's been there Wrestling with this disease for 38 years. He finds the worst one of them all. Leave it to him. There's a man that's been there 38 years. Now this man was impotent, the Bible says. Disabled. Sick. He was an invalid. And he had been that way for a long, long time. Jesus says to him, Don't you want to be made whole? And the the, the man tries to explain to him, I got no one to help me. When the water starts stirring, I I try to get there, but I'm too slow. I can't. I've got no one to, I've got no man, he says, to put me in. People step over me, he says. He tries to explain to Jesus. "I, I, I can't get in myself. I'm too messed up. I've been this way for so long. I'm slow. I can't get around like the other people can. I'm too slow. Every time it happens, someone passes me by, he says. So everyone just stepped in front of him. Jesus ends up just telling him, you know what? Take up your bed. Rise, take up your bed and walk. And the man does. A wonderful miracle occurs. Now, I I wonder, how does this story apply to me how does this story of the pool of bethesda apply to you how does it apply how is it applicable to new hope this morning why is god trying to want point us in the direction of the pool of bethesda what's he trying to tell us what's he want us to focus on this morning first off 
the Bible says that in the Hebrew tongue, it is called Bethesda. Now, I looked that up. In Hebrew, Bethesda means house of mercy. Okay, this pool of Bethesda in Hebrew is the house of mercy. Brothers and sisters, I believe we're in a house of mercy this morning. This is a house of mercy that we were in this morning. New Hope is and should be a house of mercy. Can anyone in here argue with me that you're not here for any other reason other than the mercy of God? Can you present any valid argument to me? I can't. I'm here. I'm preaching because of the mercy of God. I'm alive because of the mercy of God. I'm sane because of the mercy of God. And I'm saved because of the mercy of God. This is a house of mercy this morning. Without the mercy of God, I am dead and hopeless. Completely and utterly. This church is a house of mercy. New hope should be a modern-day pool of Bethesda. It should be. Think about it. The Bible says there's multitudes of sick all around the pool of Bethesda. Brothers and sisters, look around you. Look in our community. Look in our nation. There's a multitude of sick people all around us. Outside of these four walls. Look at our community. We have kids taking their own lives. Children taking their own lives. Should be playing with toys, yet they're taking their own lives. They're sick all around us. There's drug problems in this community. There's abuse problems in this community. There's divorce, pornography addictions, ungodliness of every type all around us, laying all around us, half dead all around us, blind, withered, and halt all around us, outside of this pool that has curative powers. There's people dying with Christ all around us. There's division in this nation, hatred in this nation. There's violence on and on all around us. They're laying all around us. Whether you can see them or not, they're there. We work with them. We shop with them. We live by them. They're all around the house of mercy. You see, the Bible says they're blind. Blind people are laying around the pool of Bethesda. They don't have the ability to see. They don't know where they're going. They can't discern right from wrong. They're blind, the Bible says. They're halt. They can't walk. Or if they can, they limp because they're injured from a lifetime of sin. They can't function normal because they're blinded from sin. They're injured, they're crippled from the damages of sin. From the consequences of sin, they are injured. They're withered, the Bible says or laying all around this pool. They're withered. The life is sucked out of them. Death is creeping into these people that are laying all around the house of mercy. It's creeping in to claim them. 
to me, it sounds just like sin, doesn't it? These people are ravaged by sin. Sin leaves people blind, halt, and withered. And they're laying all around us, all around the house of mercy. John chapter 10, verse 10, the first part of that says, The thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what Satan does to these people. Outside of these four walls, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And many of them he has had his way with. He has had his way with them for a long time. Time The people laying all around the pool of Bethesda, all around the house of mercy, they're laying there half dead because of the consequences of sin. They're all around us. I don't know if you can see them. Can you see them? Can you see your neighbors ravaged by sin? Can you see your co-workers ravaged by a lifetime of sin? Laying there half dead. They have one hope to get into the house of mercy. Listen, to be withered is to be dry. To to be withered is to be shriveled up. To have no bodily moisture. Dry, dying, almost dead. No vitality, no freshness. The Bible says the withered are laying all around you. All around the pool of Bethesda. Because of sin. Withered. Because of sin. Because of what sin does to people. Can can you see those people? Can you see them? Now, you got to see them with your spiritual eyes. you got to see them with the Lord's eyes. If you look at them with your eyes, you're just going to see a vile person that curses and looks for answers in alcohol and so on and so forth. You just, you, if you see them with your own eyes, you'll just see the, the, the jerk that passes around, photographs that are inappropriate. That's all you're going to see. But if you look at them with your spiritual eyes, you'll see that man that shouts the loudest and curses the worst is laying there half dead, blind, halt, and withered. Doesn't even have the ability to get into the pool because he's so racked with sin. Can you see them? The Bible says that they're scattered all around, a great multitude scattered all around the pool, but they're not in the pool. They're all around it, not in it, all around it. Brothers and sisters, these sick folks, blind, halt, and withered, they're all around us. Not in it, but they're all around. They're only going to come in when the stirring occurs. They're not beating on our, our, our doors are open to everyone. We'll take anyone in here. I pray that the Lord sends people, fills this place up. I pray that all the time. We'll take anyone in here, poor, rich, irregardless of race or ethnicity. We'll take you in here. But they're, they're not beating our door down. Could it be they're waiting on a stirring to occur? The sick are all around our community, all around our church, but rarely do they come into the house of mercy. Now, I wonder why. Could it be 
because we lost the stirring of the waters. Could it be that in New Hope, the waters calm? There's no curative power in that water because it's calm. The, the angel of the Lord is not there stirring it up, sloshing it all around, making that water bubble. They're not beating our door down because there's no stirring in the house of God. There's got to be a stirring. There's got to be a presence of God. God would send His representative down to this pool. His, part of His Spirit would be down in this pool. And people would go crazy to get in, to be the first one in. Brothers and sisters, we need the stirring. We need the stirring of God. You see, we got to get the sick, the blind, halt, and the withered in the house of mercy. Why? Because there's hope for them. In the pool was their hope. The pool with the stirring gave hope to those people. There's a chance for them then. There's a chance they could be cured of their diseases. We have to have the stirring. Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, we'll read verses 1 through 5. It says this. Now remember, we're, we need this stirring. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in sins and trespasses, were in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversations in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. Brothers and sisters, you and I were once dead. We were the blind, the halt, and the withered, laying there half dead. But the Bible says, you hath he quickened. Meaning you he's restored life to. He's put life inside of you. He quickened you. You were dead and He quickened you. You used to give yourself over to any lustful desire. But he has, He's been rich in mercy and He loved us and now He's quickened us. Brothers and sisters, we need that quickening in this church, in us, in our spirits. That quickening is the stirring. That quickening makes our faith come to life. That quickening makes, turns this from a book to the words of life. We need the stirring in the house of mercy. Because in the house of mercy, there's a cure. There's hope for the blind, halt, and withered. But they got to get into the pool of Bethesda. And they won't come unless there's a stirring. There's got to be a stirring. Curative powers are in the pool when the Lord's presence is there. Only when His presence is there. When the Lord sends the angels down to trouble the water, to shake things up a little bit, people get cured. 
Doesn't matter how long they've been that way, people get cured. Now, without this presence of the Lord, without it, New Hope is just a bunch of decent folks. You all are decent folks to me. Great folks. Love all of you. Decent people. But that's it without the presence of the Lord. That is it. We have, I have, you have no curative powers. I don't. I'm nice. I'll be nice to you. I'll be nice to anyone that comes in here. But I can't save their soul. I can't do anything for their sin. I don't have those powers. I, I, I can't do anything for the sin sick. The presence of the Lord has got to be here. I can't take away your sin. I can't give you true joy. You can't give anyone true joy. Only the quickening of the Lord, the stirring of the Lord. Only Christ Jesus can give hope. Only can Christ Jesus give hope to these people that are laying all around us. We can be nice, we can be polite, but it's only the Spirit of the Lord that changes people. The Bible actually says in Jeremiah 17, 5, in the New Living Translation, says, This is what the Lord says, Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. Brothers and sisters, it's not you and I, not our abilities, not our ideas, not any great preaching. It's the Spirit of the Lord. That is it. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6 says, Not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. That's our duty. we got to keep the Spirit of the Lord in the house of mercy. we got to call on the Spirit of the Lord to come into, to stir the waters, stir our hearts, quicken us again, Lord. Not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. We have to be a house of mercy that's constantly being stirred by the angel of the Lord. If we do that, we'll have all kinds of sinners busting our door down to get in here. We have to have Christ here. We have to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. We have to be a spirit-led church. Amen? Because then, we'll have curative powers. He said, water was just water. Just regular water. Just pool water. There's nothing special about it. But when you add the presence of the Lord to something regular, to something just normal, then it becomes special. It has curative powers. We can offer them a cure if we do our job and make sure that the Spirit of God is here in this house. All right, let's go back to the story of the pool of Bethesda. John chapter 5, verse 5. I'll, I'll read the rest of that part. John chapter 5, verse 5 says, And a certain man was there 
which had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lie, he knew that he had been a long time in that case. He said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Verse 8, Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. So Jesus comes along and he notices this disabled man for 38 years. And Jesus knew he had been there a long time. Brothers and sisters, how, how many folks have been sick and dying around you that you've never noticed? This guy has been there forever. Nobody's noticed this man. Nobody's helped this man. He's been laying there forever, a long time, and Jesus perceives that, sees that he's been there forever. How many people are laying around us that we just say, excuse me, never even think about that person, but uh, Christ's eyes Focus on that person. Focus is on the person that everyone else says, excuse me, coming through. Christ's eyes go to that person. That he sees him. How many blind, halt, and withered folks are all around us that we don't even notice? Obviously, everyone just passed this guy up. He even tries to explain it. Every time I try to get in, someone else gets in front of me. Obviously, everyone just blows right past this guy. How many of our neighbors and co-workers have been ravaged by sin for years and years and we don't even see them? We don't even notice it. Don't even notice them at all. Just pass right by them on our way to church. Take no thought of them. How many of your family members have been pummeled by sin and now they're laying there blind, halt, and withered? Everyone just passes them by. Well, Jesus doesn't. You know, if you look at this man's response, Jesus comes to him and says, won't you be made whole? Do you want to be made whole? Look at his response. He says, I have no man. I have no one. This guy, he's laying there, racked with whatever disease, this disability that leaves him immobile or slow or whatever it is, his response is, I have no man. I've got no body. I've got no friend. No one has shown me any mercy and it tried to dump me in or shove me or throw me. Nothing. I have no man, he says. No one's shown me the tiniest bit of mercy. No one has, after all these years, says, man, this guy's been laying here forever. The water's stirring. Let me try to throw him in. Let me just try something. Even if it fails, let me try something. He's got no one. He's got no friend. No one in the world has ever looked at this guy. They've all stepped past, blew past him, got what they needed and took off. No one. 38 years he's laid there. I have no man, he says. Nobody to help him. No one to show a little mercy. No one to show just a little bit of compassion on me. I have no man, he says. As he's limping his way, crawling his way, nobody stops to help. No one even sees him. No one even pays attention to him. 
But Christ does, doesn't he? Christ's eyes focus on this man. This man jumps out to Jesus. To the normal people, look past him, ignoring. To Christ, he sees him. He is a friend to him. He helps him. He stops. He talks with him. He interacts with him. Everyone else just passes in front of me, he says. They step past. So for 38 years, this man suffers in his condition because no one bothers to help him. 38 years, everyone steps over him. Everyone goes around. Everyone goes about their business. Until he has an altercation with Christ. Until he meets with Christ. Brothers and sisters, how many folks are we going around that we don't even bother to see or that we're stepping over? How many people in your life could use a friend? Just a friend. Shove the guy in the pool. That's all you got to do. Shove him in and be on about your way. How many in your little circle could use just a little bit of compassion? Just a little bit. How many people around us could use just a touch of mercy? Nope, this is a completely merciless world. Completely merciless world that we live in. How far would it go to just show a touch of mercy to someone around you? Someone that's blind, halt, and withered. Could you just show that person just a little mercy? I know, I know all of us have people like that around us, living around us. We pass them by. I know it. People that are half dead in sin, I know it. I know that we have people in our lives in need of a little bit of mercy, in need of just a little bit of compassion. I know every single person in here has someone. Please, please, please don't pass them by. I hope and pray God points them out to you. When you go home and you get in your prayer closet and you pray, tell God, God, show me a person. I can just put someone in my path. Even if it's something little, something I can just show mercy some little way. Lord, use me. I pray that God points them out to you. One of the last things I notice about this story of the pool of Bethesda is that Jesus heals the man right where he is. Jesus doesn't say, hey, I'll help you into the pool. Oh, Christ goes to him, goes to the man. Christ takes what he has inside of him out into the world to where he is. Jesus didn't say, let me pick you up, let me take you into the pool. Now, I'm not saying don't invite people to church. No way. We want to invite people to church. We want as many people as we can to come to church. But what I'm saying is, is Christ takes what he learns in the temple, what's inside of him. The, the preaching that we hear every week, the worship that we have, the, the quickening that's inside of us, he takes it from him. And meets them out there where they are. Do you see what I'm saying? 
He doesn't say, here, let me take you into the pool. He takes what he has out to them and meets the crippled man where he is. That crippled man, he can't come to church anyway. He can't move. He can't even get into a swimming pool. How do you expect him to come to church every week? Jesus doesn't say, well, if you come to church, I'll heal you. He doesn't say that. Jesus takes what he has out to him. If we do that, we don't have to worry about inviting people to church. They'll come because they'll see the life inside of us, the light inside of us. Our job is to take it from here out to them and make sure we have the Spirit of the Lord here in the house of God. Christ meets the sick where they are. Christ shows us an example of taking what he has in him to them. It's okay to speak the words of life outside of church. Did you know that? It's okay to share a scripture with your next door neighbor. It is. You don't have to invite them to church and then explain God to them. You can explain God to them outside of it. That's what Christ is doing. He's showing this man life beside the pool. He's not in it. He's near it. I think he's being an example to us. Brothers and sisters, we take the word that we hear in here and we share it out there. It's not an easy task. It takes a little leap of faith. It does. And no one said it would be easy. Christ goes to him. He interacts with them right where they are. Brothers and sisters, interact with your neighbors right where they are. Show them the light of life right where they are. Your co-workers right where they are. Interact with them. He takes his healing powers to them. We know what cures sin, don't we? All of us in here knows what cures sin, Christ's blood. We know that we have curative power. Take it out to them. I want to begin to bring this to a close. I'm saying to get them here, we have to take Christ's redemptive power out there to them. To the blind, to the whole, and to the withered that are all around us. Listen, I love this scripture and I read it a lot from the pulpit. Matthew 28 verse 19. And band, if you could, please make your way down here and begin to play. If we could dim these lights, please. Last scripture I have. Listen. says, Go ye therefore, teach all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Verse 20 says, Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. We are to be Christ-like. The Bible commands us, Go ye therefore into all the world. Brothers and sisters, take what you have out to them. Meet them where they're at. I want to open these altars. 
and invite you to come to these altars and ask that the Lord would stir you, that the Lord would quicken you. You were once lost and dead and he quickened you. Some of you, I believe, some of us have cooled off. We've cooled off. We've, we've lost the urgency that we've had. We've lost the quickening, the stirring. Brothers and sisters, be stirred this morning. Be stirred. Let the angel of the Lord come down and stir that pool inside of your heart. Because when he does, there's curative powers inside of you. You can cure the sin sick all around you because it will point to Christ. Everywhere you go, people will see it. The only thing we got to do is be stirred. Amen? Father God, we thank you. Lord, we ask that you would stir this church, stir this body. You've put us here on a reason, for a reason, Lord. you put us here on East Pike for a reason. Not to be a gathering of decent folks, but to be a pool of Bethesda to the sick, to the blind, halt, and the withered, the disabled, the sin sick all around us, Father God. Stir this body this morning. Stir this body, Lord. Anyone who has cooled off, as Tom said this morning, throw wood on the fire this morning, Father God. Stir this body. In Jesus' name.